Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, president here at Ashland University and Theological Seminary. I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Dennis Montecruzis. Dennis, welcome. Thank you. How are you? So great. You know, we are joined in the studio by some amazing young people, Austin and Nate and Bryn and Bryce, Aiden and Michaela's running the show. You know, the truth is other people might think it's cold outside. I saw the temperature was dropping. So I think uh, it's about 12 degrees out, and by 8 o'clock it might be 9. But, you know, we're not, we're not really uh, in any way deterred by that here at Ashland. What do you think? Yeah, we're used to this kind of That's wonderful right. weather. So well, <laughs> it's just another day here just in another the day. glorious Midwest. Because we're pursuing <laughs> truth here in Ashland. That warms the cockles of anyone's heart. And today we're looking at the intersection between DEI, you know, some of our listeners and watchers have said, you know, Carlos, this DEI stuff, we're not really understanding this diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, I actually received, Dennis, a notice from the Department of Education recently that clarified that training around DEI could not be forbidden on any college campus. Really? And yes, do you know what that was probably hinting at? Well, Florida, of course. Right. So, so help our listeners understand what's going on in Florida. What's this backlash against DEI that maybe is, is led in some ways by Florida? But it's, it's broader than that. Sure. Right. Well, I mean, there's a number of things. So, I mean, the relation between DEI and, let's say, wokeism mm. in general is it's not a perfect fit. But, I mean, they're at the very least very, uh, let's say, s- sympathetic to each other and a lot of the same fellow travelers. So DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Diversity typically referring to, let's say, racial diversity and to some extent, let's say, sexual diversity, Mm -hmm. uh, gender diversity, not ideological diversity typically. Right. So it's not that people are are saying, hey, we need to get different opinions. There aren't enough conservatives here. Let's bring some more of these Mm -hmm. guys in or libertarians in. It's we want to have, let's say, a broad racial... um, well, broad racial diversity. Although yes. this, of course, will possibly come up. Asians, maybe a few less Asians. So oh boy. that's, yeah, we're not, not as excited about that bit of diversity, but, but blacks, Hispanics, you know, black, black and brown people. We'll definitely pick up sure. that thread later. Right. And, 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 um, and indigenous uh, people as well. So that's the diversity component. The equity component, not to be confused with equality. So equity, so the, the, the idea is that if you see any disparity in terms of percentages, it's almost certainly going to be chalked up to systemic bias. So if there are proportionally more whites than blacks in a given, uh, given position, it's going to be not because maybe whites are more interested in this or whatever it is, it'll be because there's some kind of fundamental society-wide problem such that whites are being unfairly privileged right. compared to other groups, blacks in the case I just gave. And then inclusion, so that's, again, more, let's say, with the sexual component, sex and gender component, where uh, beside, you know, not just, let's say, straight, you know, you're straight and you're, you're cisgendered, but, but, you know, the whole LGBTQ, et cetera, uh, that, that broad array of, of let's say, different, different gender identities should feel right at home and be included and um, participate fully and so on. So... Uh, DEI st- strives to, to, let's say, increase numbers in all of those different respects, in sure. those different areas. Um, so in Florida, oh, and, and there's also, let's say, the educational component, which kind of goes with this, with this emphasis that there's, let's say, structural racism, 
that there's implicit bias, which we've talked about before mm -hmm. on, on this podcast, right? And um, and those sorts of things. And so, so DeSantis has tried Who's to. Who's DeSantis? So the governor of Florida. <sighs> yes, who we've mentioned before, Ron DeSantis, who's also he's probably pretty well known to at least a, a fair percentage of the audience because he's also looking, at least at this point, like possibly the front runner for the Republican nomination for president. Could be in 2024, even though he hasn't officially uh, he hasn't officially uh, announces his candidacy. There's Nikki Haley has. Yeah, Nikki Haley has. Uh, that'll go nowhere. We'll but anyway, um, <laughs> and, and of course, Trump has, uh, has announced his. He's, he's tried to jump ahead. Uh, so I, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't believe that DeSantis is going to announce, but at, the, at least at this point, he hasn't. So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed various bits of legislation that, of course, can only apply to state schools. So right. it, it can't apply to private schools but where he's trying to, to block, let's say, some of these initiatives where you have, um, let's say, critical race theory, for instance, yes. which is, is teaching that there, that there is this systemic bias, that there, that there um, uh, also, I'm trying to think, um, what's it called, the, these reporting groups, um, I forget what the, the title, diversity report, no. Yes, there's no, sort um, of these bias. Uh, yeah, bias reporting groups, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So where if you see something that doesn't seem to, to go with the, the DEI uh, policies, then you report this. And so he's, he's trying to, to yeah, block that as well. Bias response teams. Right, bias right. response teams. Thank you. That's mm -hmm. what I was, right. the, the um No, I, the I think you're, you've really dialed for. into it. I, as a matter of fact, I brought along uh, to read off for our listeners and viewers you know, some of these DEI statements. So lots of schools have adopted statements that are required right. by uh, for faculty members very often when you're being hired right, for applicants 20% i was what i a number i saw recently that 20% of schools require applicants uh, for for professor positions right to write a statement of how they have worked on these things in the past what they plan to do to to foster dei sorts of concerns and yeah i mean this is yes well, Pretty as a matter of fact, the, the number is even higher now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at a document that says that a recent AAUP survey of hundreds of colleges and universities found that more than one-fifth of them include DEI criteria in the tenure stan standards, including 45% of large institutions with more than 5,000 okay. students. So as you can see, I'm just reading a couple. Here's one from... Oh, University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. So we're calling you out. It says, here's a question. We are interested in combating all forms of systemic barriers. I like that. And would like to hear your thoughts on op opposing specifically systemic racism, anti-LGBTQ discrimination, and misogyny. How will you contribute? So that's a question that's asked of folks, uh, applicants. And some of this is then built into tenure requirements as well. Here's one from University of Maryland. says, without limiting the discussion to your own identity, Please describe how you envision contributing to the core values of diversity and inclusion at our School of Medicine and in the medical profession. So, you know, our friends at FIRE who are really interested in free expression are very concerned about these kinds of required statements. What's, what's FIRE? You know, FIRE is the foundation. Matter of fact, they just changed from, uh, from education, the E for education, and it's now expression. So it's the foundation for in, uh, foundation for inquiry uh, and responsibility for expression. I'm, I'm butchering, it, butchering it now. So, uh, but fire, you know, is 
quick to point out that the First Amendment prohibits public universities, and here it is, from compelling faculty to assent to specific ideological views or to embed those views in academic activities. While private universities like Ashland are not bound by that amendment, they generally make commitments, and we do, to free speech and academic freedom. Such colleges and universities educate and employ the overwhelming majority of America's students, and so, you know, from our perspective, and Fire says as well, these policies threaten to restrict employment or advancement for, for faculty who dissent from the prevailing consensus. And that's the danger, we believe, you know, in this in general. And so one of the things that a, a few professors have gotten together to say, hey, there, there's, a, there's a counterbalance to this. You know, there has to be a replacement for DEI. It doesn't fit the ethos of every institution. And maybe we have to just reset because DEI has become an industry almost that now mm -hmm. begins with this feeling that there is systemic racism, that white supremacy is part of who we are and what we are. As a matter of fact, recently, one of our partners is deploying a DEI scorecard to the way that we would hire those who help us with our retirement plan at Ashland. So they're looking at asset managers and saying, how, are, how committed are they? And the two criteria they're using are, are the amount of women and non-whites on their board or within their employee. And again, to me, that starts with a presumption. And the question we asked was, what does the research say about asset management and diversity, specifically the kind that they have outlined? And the answer was, we don't have that information. We don't have that data. So that, again, Dennis, becomes the concern that we are truly succumbing to a preset notion about right and wrong, almost. And that's what these professors have pushed out against. And here is what they've called it, merit, fairness, and equality. So MFE is the way they define it. And MFE is proposing that there's a better way forward. Maybe you can help our listeners better understand what are the principles of MFE and why do they think it's better than DEI? Yeah, so the battle of the initialisms. Right, there here we go. go. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Not, not acronyms, but no, initialisms. initialisms. That's, That's right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, to, to me, a little bit cynically, I think this is basically saying what universities used to be is what they should still be, but we have to fight something with something. We can't just say DEI is bad, so mm -hmm. hey, here's our counter-initialism. <laughs> Let's run with it. So merit, that would seem to be kind of the traditional, sure. natural thing that a university is supposed to be about. And sure, societal change will come about if you engage in, where, where you reward people for their merit. You get rid of, you get rid of um, things that are impediments, that are improper impediments. So that's right, so that's fairness. Okay, so merit is, of course, you want the best person you possibly can, which I think we all would agree when we go to the doctor, when we drive over a bridge, and so on. We would prefer that the bridge not collapse. Sure. We would prefer that the doctor actually know what he or she is doing, especially when operating on us. It's just, yeah. I don't know, call me crazy, but <laughs> this seems like a good, really good idea. Right. So th they certainly acknowledge that, yeah, of course. I mean, when, when there are biases that prevent uh, people of color, people who have different sexual orientations, and, and so on, of course. If, of course. Right. So if there are things that are unfairly preventing them from getting a fair shake in society, absolutely. We want to, we want to deal with that. We want to address it. We want to get rid of those barriers. Um, but we don't want to, like, make the reverse sort of barriers. We don't want to have a kind of reverse discrimination at work. We don't want uh, people who are less qualified to get a jump over people who were more qualified. So fairness, 
across the board, regardless of sex, gender, and, 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 uh, and so on. Um, and then equality, right, so this is different from equity. So equity suggests that, again, it's not just that people have an equal chance, have equal opportunity, uh, or, yeah, not just that they have that, but that you have to have equal outcomes, right? right? So that's the difference between equity and equality. So equity assumes that if you don't have equal outcomes, there's, there's some fundamental underlying. injustice mm -hmm. at play. Right. It can't be, it can't be random. It can't be uh, that one group is catching up and they'll, they'll get there. There must be some present uh, bit of structural unfairness that's actively keeping them down or unfairly privileging a certain Another group. group. Mm -hmm. right. right. So, so that's what the MFB is about. So merit, fairness, so you don't, you don't engage in reverse discrimination. You just get rid of barriers against everybody that would prevent them from succeeding. And equality, so that everyone has an equal opportunity and equal chance. Right. Well, and part of this is perhaps applying it with the students here in the studio who assist us every day. You know, recently Stanford announced that only 23% of their incoming class is white. And they were celebrating that. And I understand that celebration at some level. But then when you dig into the data, there are several things that are concerning. One that we promised to get back to, and that is about this image of, of equity and fairness, right? How do these work together when you're talking about admissions? So how does Stanford get to 23%? One of the things they touted was we actually rejected 70% of the students who scored a perfect score on the SAT. Perfect score on the SAT. So critics are saying, and I have to be in this camp a little bit, if you're doing that, fundamentally, there's got to be some other problem. If you're, you know, we know it's not the only way you admit students, but when you look across the board at how, what the percentages of different races are in particular, right, for that freshman class, one that stands out, and we talked about this, was we're, we're Asians, right? right? So we already know that Harvard is one of the institutions that's now being sued. I think UNC system is also yes. being sued, right, around those same issues. Is Stanford far behind? So Stanford has seemingly put a cap on Asian students in that if you would simply allow based on merit, Right, just based on merit for SAT scores, which they don't accept any longer, right? So Stanford right. knew that one of the ways that they would have a more diverse class is by eliminating that as a standard. And what's so ironic to me, Dennis, I'm old enough to remember that the SAT was the promise of fairness, Yeah. right? So that was the SAT. So I don't care where you went to school. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your color is, your sexual persuasion. Guess what? We have a test that right. will dis to demonstrate to any admissions officer you are worth considering. So here's the SAT designed to do that, and now it has been doffed right. because it, it, it instead hog ties or you know, handcuffs these admissions officers. Uh-oh, I've got <laughs> perfect scores. I've got to admit, to admit these students. Right. I, I saw a stat um, recently. It might be from a book by Kenny Shu hmm. on um, Asians. I think it's called The Inconvenient Minority. Huh. It might have been from that book. And I don't remember exactly what the context was, if it was, let's say, at Harvard with their, their lawsuit or if it was in an in general thing. But the, um, the admission criteria have been tweaked in such a way that, let's say, an Asian versus a black student in particular, the Asian would have to score 297 points higher on an SAT oh than the black student for to, to, receive the same to, have, consideration. to have equal consideration oh my for admission. Goodness. Right. Those are the kinds of things where then you do really question 
the, the validity and the value of these kinds of systems. And, and one of the things that we would admit is that anytime you use a word like merit and fairness, well, who's making the judgment? Right. What, what is meritorious? Yes, there are these standardized tests and, and other ways that you would say, well, there, there's no bias involved there. But then the answer becomes, well, could the student afford a, an SAT prep test? Right? Right. Or did they have the resources available? And, and I'm sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. I guess the point being, no system is going to perfectly tell an admissions officer or someone hiring a faculty member or others, here is the perfect fit every time. You know, maybe we'll need chat GPT to help <laughs> us with that. But... I, I do worry that these blanket statements have become problematic. And, uh, and I think about longer term how we're going to, to deal with this important issue because we're all in agreement that if we take the term diversity its fullest, to its fullest extent, right, diversity of political thought, uh, worldview, age, background, geographical uh, experience, you know, all of those things generally lead to a, a mix on a campus that is more vibrant and exciting. But we've got to be really careful about how we manage the system so it doesn't become, in a sense, a, a worldview of its own, almost a religion, as, as many people have described it. Right. No, I mean, that, that makes perfectly good sense. Um, there's something I was going to ask you about. There's something else that's being... So a lot of places are, are eliminating, of course, the SAT, as you mentioned. Yes. Uh, oh, what I was going to ask is this. With the U.S. News and World Reports, I, I'm wondering about this. I, I'm hearing that more and more universities are kind of dropping off of that. I mean, at least univer- privileged, you know, elite universities like Harvard yes. and, and so on. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the same sort of mm. uh, way of avoiding, let's say, objective merit kinds of considerations in favor of DEI sorts of considerations. I don't know if that's something that you've come yeah, across. Yeah, that's a great question. I haven't seen that in particular, but perhaps that's something we give back to our friends at FIRE. It's the Foundation for Individual Rights okay. and Expressions. So we'll get uh, that acronym correct. But, you know, I think one of the things that others or critics are pointing to related to these admission changes is exactly this. So if there is no standard, you know, are not employers going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, I always assumed that if a student graduated from this elite university that you'd done your homework and I can, I can pretty much hire them understanding that they have at least some baseline of credential, right? right? Something along those lines. You know, I'm, I'm always nervous about rankings like U.S. News because when you dig into those criteria, for instance, one of the things they, they rank you on is how, what the giving rate is of your alumni, and, you know, some of those things just feel like they're not related to academics in the same fashion that others are. But here we've come to, to not the end of this conversation, Dennis, but to the end of our program. And unfortunately, we don't have time to dig in to some of this uh, more fully. But I do encourage our listeners and our watchers to watch with us on this MFE, to write to us as well. As a matter of fact, here at Ashland, we are looking at a replacement for DEI because we do think that there are better ways to express what our vision is for diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's probably not going to be MFE, but maybe we can come up with a, you know, something on our own that's, that's preferable to either of those two. I hope that it reflects that as an institution that is committed to the unfettered pursuit of truth, that we'd want to find something that, that does work for us, but is also sensitive to the fact that, you know, a, a fully diverse and its full, in its fullest uh, expression of that term is what we, we are looking for. So look forward to hearing back from uh, you as well, our listeners, as we uh, con- 
conclude these thoughts about MFE. And remember to uh, write to us at president at ashland.edu to go online and like us and follow us. Uh, don't even have to like us, but at least pretend that you do when you right. click on <laughs> click on click on that part. But we'd like to hear from you. We're, we are planning to do a show where we do nothing but read our uh, reviews back from those folks who are out there uh, commenting. So look forward to that. Otherwise, we'll see you next time here on the Watchers of the Skies program. The JDM Studios at Ashland University.